So welcome back, welcome back to Black Girl Coffee Shop, where we sip coffee and not tea. I'm your host, Missy Lewis. Thank you for joining me once again. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow me on IG at Black Girl Coffee Shop Podcast. Or you can follow me on my personal page, which is Thick Fit Chick 1. Even though I'm not on there that much, I'm usually on the podcast page. Um, so, so I'm just going to hit you guys with a couple updates. So I'm supposed to put out an episode every Friday, which... I haven't been, I think I missed two Fridays because of, there's a lot going on. So in the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't have a lot going on and I was, you know, putting out episodes and, you know, I had a lot of free time, but now like with certain things going on, like we kind of go to work, we kind of don't go to work. Um, I'm currently in school um, and it's a lot the class is the class is pretty fulfilling. Like I like it. It's a little demanding, so I haven't been putting out episodes as much and trying to make sure that I can balance um this military life and going to school and just trying to stay, you know, centered, I guess. Um It's not my first rodeo, but you know, it's just a little bit different now or something. I don't know. But just getting back into the swing of things with, you know, working and going to school at the same time, which also wanted to update you guys that. So um, I put I put pause. I paused my book like my book is supposed to be out later on this year. Um, I probably won't even be in the States later on this year. Um, not to mention the, the class I'm taking pertains to my book because so I would start I would start writing and. um I'm like, you know, I feel like I could do better. So I'm actually taking a writing class to do to become a better writer. You know what I mean? Like and then the, the some of the techniques and things that I'm learning is like making everything so much better and some of the work that I'm turning in and the professors give me such good feedback. So it's like I I feel like I had to go back to the drawing board in order to come back so that way I put out a good project. You know what I mean? So that's what that's going on. Not to mention I'll be out of the states for um quite a few months. So I'll be working on my actual, like, get back to my book because my class ends soon. And it's kind of like, um, it's a, it's a fast class. So which means like a lot of work put into a short amount of time. So yeah, um, those are just a couple updates. Um, I hope everybody's doing well or as, as well as they can be in this pandemic. Um, so I, I had started an episode, but I didn't finish it because I was supposed to have a co-host, which I tried to get her on there. But seeing as how she's on the East Coast and I am kind of like Midwest is difficult for the time and plus work and then school and then all this other type of stuff. So she got her life. I got my life, whatever. So I didn't end up we didn't end up doing the collaboration, but I still want to talk about it. This episode is going to be a smorgasbord of things because um, so much time has passed, but there's so many things that I still want to talk about. And I feel like I haven't done this. I haven't done an episode in quite a while. The last one I did was um, the Q&A, Black Men, which was a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's quite a few things I want to talk about, even something that just happened recently. So we're going to start with, I want to start with um, uh, Vanessa Gillian and that whole situation. I started the episode but I have a friend who is, you know, she's Mexican, so I wanted to get her point of view. Also, she's in the military, so I wanted her to be on the episode, but it didn't work out quite that way. So I'm going to go ahead and get to the episode because I'm going on and on and on. My bad. So um, the Vanessa Gillian case. This case, 
it I, I can't even as you can see I can't even find the words but it just struck me so hard like I think it struck everybody in the military community Hispanic community if you're a person a human being it, it should have impacted you in some type of way um just the fact that I don't even know where to begin. I don't know if I started inside the case or my thoughts. So anybody that doesn't know the case, I'm going to go ahead and give some some backstory. So Vanessa Gillian is a she was a PFC, was stationed in Fort Hood, Texas. Um she had just come into the army and she disappeared from the day they found her. She had been missing for about 60 days, 50-60 days, give or take. Um the I don't feel like because I, I followed the story for a while because I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? Like, this is a freaking soldier missing. You know what I mean? And so I have followed the story right about, I think, at the, like that's when it picked up traction about the 30, 30 day mark. She had been missing about 30 days. That's when it started picking up traction. So I was following it. And I'm like, what is going on? You know what I'm saying? And so time went on, time went on. Her sister's speaking out, her mom speaking out. And it just was like, what the hell, bro? Like, it just threw me for a loop. And so it started picking up traction. You have, um, Selma Hayek. She was talking about it. Like she basically celebrities had to get behind it for it to really get main for it to hit mainstream media, which is ridiculous. Um, and, um, baby bash was offering a reward and this soldier had been missing for a long period of time. And I couldn't even imagine if it was one of my soldiers missing for this amount of time. Like, I, I don't know. It just threw me for a loop. So then time went on finally once it got more media that's when i feel like um the military cid um and the fbi and everybody start trying to get involved more but she had already been missing for 30 some odd days and her mom is like where is she at nobody knows where she at and it's just like it took all that it took all the media coverage for them to actually start um making moves and seeing what happened to her so basically um she was spotted um outside of her um her unit right and she was called in on her day off she was spotted outside her unit around 11 11 a.m and that was the last time she was seen and she was in workout clothes whatever they said she had on black shirt and or a purple shirt and black pants and she was supposed to be working out she was supposed to be off that day and she can't had to, she was the armor so she had to come into the armory basically if people don't know what the armor armor is the armory the arms room it is a place where they hold all the weapons. Military, we hold all our weapons in like this secret vault type deal. And you have to have like the key or the code to actually get into it. Um, before it is opened and closed, the commander's supposed to know what's going on. A lot of people are supposed to know, higher up supposed to know what's going on. Before you go to, if you go into the range or you go into the field, the, the arms room shouldn't just be open. It's not like you're going to get a piece of paper. So just for people that don't understand what I'm saying, or, you know, not military, um, so she was going into the arms room and they were supposed to be, I'm guessing they're doing weapons maintenance, making sure that everything is up to, up to code. I'm guessing because either weapons maintenance inventory or something like that had to be, um, and she was in there with another specialist, um, specialist Robinson. And she, from that point in time, from 11, when somebody spotted her, nobody saw her again. nobody saw her again so and then she left behind her 
her military her military ID, her cell phone, I believe, and her card to get into her room. So sometimes for the barracks rooms, you have a card. It's like a hotel key card to get to get into your room. And that was left behind. So it's like, and for me, my theory was when this was going on, my theory was, okay, maybe she was outside real quick and somebody was like, oh, let's go to the store real quick. You know, you know, sometimes you'll just jump into a car or you'll be like, oh, yeah, let's go to the store real quick. Let's go to the PX and go get something to drink real quick. And then whoever took her in the car um, took her. So that's what my, my theory was for the longest. That was my theory because I'm like, but then it's like, you know, most people don't leave their phone because everybody want to have their phone. And it's like everybody's glued to their phone. So it was really still fishy because I'm like, when I leave my house, like even if I'm going somewhere real quick, like I still have my phone. Like even if I'm going to the mailbox low key because you never know what could happen. So um, that was my theory for the longest. And also uh, Vanessa had filed complaints for sexual harassment um, against, I'm not sure if it was her NCO or a NCO in, in their section, in her unit, but it was a point in time was alleged that somebody walked into her barracks room with her the key. That's why it's important for people to not have the master key or to be, to have like either the code or keeping the master key uh, locked up. Because if you have the master key, you can enter into anybody's barracks room. And so, um, she it was alleged that somebody, an NCO in her unit or her NCO, while she was showering, was watching her shower, which would have freaked me the hell out. Cause I, I yeah, um, and there was a lot of sexual harassment. They dropped the the case. Nothing ever came of the case, from what I understand. They're saying that there's supposed to be some type of an internal investigation and all this other jazz. So going on, um. Time passes, time passes or whatever. So then once the media picks up and the heat is on everybody else on CID and the FBI and everybody, that's when they really start digging. They start roaming around all of Fort Hood, all of Fort Hood. Not to mention while they're doing this search party in Fort Hood, they actually find another soldier. Um, I think his name was PFC Morales. And he's been missing for the longest. And they called him a deserter because he was supposed to be getting out of the military. And then he never fully cleared. It's from what I read. Um... And they called him a deserter, but they found his body burnt. So I guess they didn't look too hard for him. Um, and let's let's get one thing straight. I'm not. I know uh, my voice probably sounds very um, aggravated because, I, or you, you might feel some type of anger. I'm in the military, but wrong is wrong, and that's wrong. They, this man was missing, and they had to go find him. Where well, they were looking for somebody else's body, but um. Let's move on so I can continue to tell you the story, um, the events. So um, as time went on, the like I said, CID started catching a lot of heat. And so finally they had to go back to the place where she was last seen. You didn't see her come out. Like nobody saw her come out, but they saw, I mean, they seen her in the parking lot, but nobody seen her after that. And her place of duty was the arms room. So that's when they start, um, doing some real like investigation or whatever I'm guessing and then they keen in on this specialist Robinson but the thing is is like why was why wasn't specialist Robinson a a prime suspect from the beginning he got 60 some odd days just roaming around acting like nothing happened if it was and it what kills me is if I'm I'm her NCO right I call her in and she's in the arms room which means I'm somewhere else right I might be off 
I don't, I don't know. So with that being said, why wouldn't you call her to make sure that she got to the arms room? It's 11. Why wouldn't you call her to be like, oh, what are y'all doing? How long, how long is it going to take because you got my soldiers in this arms room? Why wouldn't the, the NCO check in on her because she's supposed to be at home? Like, there were so many different ways. And, and on top of that, how, how, so, okay. Let me continue to tell the story before I start asking so many questions. So that's what, that's the first part, right? So then once the details come out, they try to find this specialist Robinson. They find him. He ends up killing himself. The story comes out that um, he was on his phone and she looked at his phone and he had pictures of somebody else's wife on his phone. And she threatened to tell that he was ha um, committing adultery. In the army, in the military, you cannot be married and sleep with somebody and you can't be single sleeping with a married person. That can lead you into um, going to jail for at least three months or you know more, whatever, depends. Um, I used to work at a prison, so, you know. But they do get some time um, for adultery. And that's how, that's how the military works. Um, and she threatened to tell, saying that you have somebody else's wife's picture on your phone and da-da-da-da-da. And they, this is the story, this, the story that this came out. I don't know. It was 100% the truth. And then Specialist Robinson, he offed himself in the process. But this is the story that went on. Um, she saw the picture and um, he lost his mind and was like, you're not going to ruin my career. I'm thinking that's based off, because why would he think that awful junk that she was going to tell on him? Since what, what happened was... I think that she had already told on somebody else and reported the fact that she was being sexually harassed. It got around the got around the unit. And sometimes if you're one of those people where they feel like, oh, you're blowing up the spot or you tattletelling and da-da-da-da-da, people might, they might put a hit out on you. Not like a hit on you, but you might be treated some type of way. You might be treated poorly. I take it back, not that hit part. But you might be treated some type of way because they look at you as somebody who tattletales. So he automatically went saw red and picked up a hammer or something and started bashing her in the face bashing her in the face bashing her in the head and i'm pretty sure it was something where she didn't see it coming so with the arms room right um the arms room is like a vault right you really can't hear if the door's closed you can't hear what's going on like depending on what type of arms room not to mention the arms room's very it's it's not a it's not a huge place it's not like a uh, a huge room it's a very small room for people that don't know what arms room is um with that being said so how is it that and so he was able to bash her in the head i'm sure blood squirted everywhere everywhere sprayed everywhere um Nobody checked the arms room to see if there was blood everywhere. Because I'm sure there was blood on some of them weapons. I'm sure there was blood on the walls. Like, But I know... Who, so, with that being said, time went on. He didn't know what to do with the body. He called his, his little girlfriend or whatever. He put her inside of like a, um, like a tough box, like a big box. Closed it, locked it, took it to his car. Somebody saw an unidentified person put in a box, a tough box, into their vehicle. And I'm guessing that was him around late at night. He's going in and out of the arms room late at night. Okay, so anybody understand the arms room? Like I said before, you can't just have the arms room open late at night. What are y'all doing? And I know there's times where people come back from the ranges and people come back from the field and you got to turn in your weapons. But as the, the company commander, where are you to make sure that it got locked? As somebody that's, if you're on staff duty, so staff duty is somebody um, who's basically night on night watch. 
which means you're, you're watching the company, you're watching the barracks, and you're watching the arms room. Not watching, but you're supposed to go and check on it to make sure it's locked because it has all the weapons in there that can cause harm to people. So if the person who was on staff duty checked the freaking um, arms room, you would have known, known that it was open. You would have known that something's going on. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. So with that being said, it's like, I don't know. It, it, the whole story is just crazy. And then they, okay, let me keep on going. So he put her in the box and then uh, called his little girlfriend or whatever and some other guy. And they basically took her out to the middle of nowhere. Um, she was already dead and they chopped her up in pieces and tried to set her on fire. Couldn't set her on fire, so then they buried her, and then they didn't do a good job burying her, I guess, and put cement over it, and then they just tried to put a bunch of stuff over it, and that's what happened. And so now she is, yeah. So I can't even imagine. I don't know. So when I... Being somebody who, being an NCO in the Army, right? You have good days and you have bad days. You have a lot of days. You got to make sure that you're good. You got to make sure your people good. You got to make sure everybody good. Your whole section good. You got to make sure everybody good, right? And then you got to make sure that you're good mentally, physically, and all that jazz, right? Um, it is your job to make sure that you take care of these young people. You have young people coming into the Army, coming into the military, whether whatever you are, Marine, Coast Guard, Navy, you know what I'm saying, whatever. You got people, you have people, men and women, graduating high school, 18 years old, fresh, coming into the Army. Don't They don't, you have to teach them a lot of different things. Some, they don't understand finances. They don't understand um, the way things work, credit, um, how to buy a car, how to rent an apartment. There's a lot of stuff that you have to teach them, not all of them, because there's some of them that are, you know, they come in at, 25 30 they would some even at 25 and 30 you still got teachers some stuff it's crazy but when you take on the responsibility of becoming an nco or an officer it's your job to take care of people it's your job to take care of people and i can't imagine and i never want to i don't want to go to the i don't want to have the day where i have to call somebody not i wouldn't have to call them but ultimately explain to somebody's mother me being their nco what happened to them of course, you might go to Afghanistan. You might go to Iraq and something might happen. That's, that's explainable. But this right here is not explainable. This is not explainable. It is your job to take care of these people the best way you can. So, I don't know. It, it's a lot. Like, I feel like a lot of people failed her. Um... I think she, and, and I don't know because I wasn't there, but I think once she filed that complaint, she was looked at looked at as a troublemaker and situations like that arise. And I, I, I take, and like I said, I've had bad days. People get on my nerves. Like I've had all types of stuff, but when soldiers ask me for something or when I need to do something for them or when I, I give them advice or whatever the situation may be, that's coming straight from the heart. Like it's, we are building their experience in the military. When you, whatever type of if you are e5 e6 e7 
you are building their experience in the military. They are also building their own because it's their choice on whether or not they get in trouble or do the right thing. But you're, it's, our, it's our job to lead them. It's our job to lead them and to take care of them no matter what and, and do what's right, do right by them. So if you're in some type of, if you're an officer or senior, um, uh, NCO or NCO, whatever, like they're not here for you to play with. They're not here for you to get your satisfaction. They're not here for your gratification. Like none of that. They're here to, to do their job and make sure that they're, you know what I'm saying? Living their life. Like they're not here for your satisfaction. And I can never understand for the life of me, somebody who has 20 years in or you're an officer and stuff like that. And you want to be messing around with lower enlisted and want to harass people and touch on people, not even lower enlisted, but just doing like you risking your whole family. I've seen people 20 years, 15 years doing stupid stuff, straight predators, bro, like straight predators. And I'm not saying I've, I've seen it. I've seen I've seen situations and I'm not even on front, but there's been situations where you might see a senior NCO or an officer having conversations like, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, get to know the soldiers. I'm just trying to intermingle with PFCs and PV2s. For what, though? What are you doing? Like, and I'm not saying that they were up to no good, but it just, from the time that I came in, I'm, no. There's no, sir. Or sergeant first class or master sergeant. There's no reason for you to be talking to this PV2 like y'all homies. It's weird. Um, and then on Facebook, there's a lot of people saying, I am Vanessa Gillian. There's a lot of weird that's happening in the military. There's a lot of like low key. And it's like, I, 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 sometimes you just got to call a spade a spade because they say they have a, a zero tolerance. So back in the day, when not back in the day, but I, I've been in a while. I've I seen where people could have a DUI and still make it in the military, right? Nowadays, you get a DUI, you're done. Unless you know somebody, you need to know some type of general somewhere in order to stay in the military with a DUI. Um, your paperwork need to get lost? Um, I don't see it. I But back, back in the day, like, you know, 2012, 2013, you would see people get DUIs and still maintain, right? So we had, now it's, it's DUI or drugs, it's a zero tolerance, right? zero tolerance once you do drugs once you get a dui you out but how come we don't have zero tolerance for people trying to touch on other people or date rape or sexual assault and like weird stuff why why don't we have zero tolerance for that because this person put in 25 years or this person put in 15 years and oh we he may or may not have touched her if there's facts or you are a master sergeant and you're messing with a pfc you're wrong as two left shoes and then people are like, well, why are you going to try to ruin his career? He ruined his own career. Because I know as soon as some situation happened, and I'm, even if I say something to a soldier that I feel like, okay, he might have misconstrued that. Let me go back and double. I'm going to double back and be like, you know what I meant, right? Like, I get another NCO to sit down with him and be like, and have a conversation and say, oh, okay, this is what I meant by this, not this. And nobody, if I, when I decide to get out of the military, it's going to be because I'm getting out, not because of some something that has been misconstrued or anything like that. But we get into this situation where people are like, well, he didn't mean it like that. Like, if he didn't mean it like that, he should say something. Or she should say something. Like, it's not about, oh, well, you trying to ruin his, he's been in 17 years. He know he's been in for 17 years. He shouldn't ruin what he got going. Or her. 
but you're willing to risk it all because you want to touch on somebody or you want to sleep with this private or want to do this and do all like this and like and so if we have zero tolerance for drugs just like if somebody's doing a line of coke we should have zero tolerance for sexual harassment sexual assault like i i don't know i just need i'm gonna need everybody to put their money where their mouth is because it's like this 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 weird thing not to mention if uh, when i first came in this drill sergeant he was all like if you haven't done anything you don't need to be worried about anything so if there's a master sergeant and he's talking to this PFC and they've been in, you know, key, key, key in the corner. And then all of a sudden, every time, every Thursday, they key, key, key in the corner. It's weird. And then all of a sudden it's like, she's saying this and she's saying that on, oh, she's lying on me. If you would have, why are you talking to her in the corner? So I'm so tired of people saying, oh, well, he's been in for 17 years. He's a master sergeant. That's not what it was. He should have never put it. What they say? Perception is everything, right? So I don't want to hear that shit no more. I don't want to hear it. So, no, it's not okay. Like, I don't want to hear, oh, well, he had 15 years in, or we're just going to let him retire. That's not okay. Because this other person has to live with the trauma of what's going on. And you do have people that you do have, you do have people doing false claims. You do have, you have situations where people do, people have false claims um, and situations like that. Like, it's ridiculous. And even if you you are a master sergeant and you're like, oh, well, I had a relationship with a specialist and da-da-da-da-da, now she's trying to say I raped her. First of all, you wrong for even putting yourself in that situation for some butt. You, you put yourself in that situation for some butt. You couldn't find nobody who was an NCO to get some vagina from. Okay, so you wanted to lose your rank. Now she's claiming rape. And first of all, you're fraternizing with her. You all wrong. Now you're trying to get yourself out of that situation. Well, I didn't rape her, but I was sleeping with her. Like, come on now. You're stupid. And you don't say people want you. Uh, uh, they're trying to take his, his years. or They're trying to take his. He lost it when he decided to lay down with a specialist. Or she. So let's just keep it 100. Um, I'm utterly disgusted by the situation that happened with Vanessa Gilliam. Um. Not to mention what happened to Lavina Johnson, where she was in Iraq in 2005, and they said that she uh, she killed herself, committed suicide, um, but she did not. Uh, I can, if you listen to the story, anybody with a brain could tell that she didn't freaking commit suicide because how do you commit suicide? But then you poured acid on your own vagina, you broke your own nose and pulled out all your own teeth. And I was talking about talking about this with a, one of my coworkers or whatever. Um, and she was like, so I want to, she was, we were talking about this whole case. And we were t- so she's like, I want to know if she committed suicide. Right. And she did, she, first of all, before she killed herself, she did all those horrific things to herself. She's like, I don't know anybody who that would pour acid on their vagina and then have enough strength to pull out their own teeth and break their own nose. And then after feeling all that pain, go ahead and kill themselves with an M16 and M16 is big as hell. Like it's, Oh my gosh. It's the biggest freaking it's huge. I'm so glad we don't shoot those no more. Not really. M sixteen is huge. So it's like you you did you pull out your own teeth first and then commit suicide or like what was the order of cause I can't imagine pouring acid on your vagina and then committing suicide like 
it would be an excruciating pain. And then her dad had served, her dad served 20 years in the army and her, his daughter went to Iraq and this is what the, and the, the army tried to rule it as suicide or they did rule it as suicide. That, come on now. Come on. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm going to leave that right there. I'm going to leave that right there. Because I got a, a couple choice words to say. Because that just doesn't make any sense in it. They just. Yeah. But like I said before. With the NCO. You're here to take care of these soldiers. Like. And if you. And you have people getting promoted so quickly. Oh well. You've been. You've been a um, specialist for this amount of time. Okay, we, we haven't done anything to groom you, but we're going to make you an NCO. And we're going to put you in charge of people, and you're going to get them. They don't know anything about the Army, but then again, you don't know anything about the Army, but you've been in for three years, so we're going to go ahead and promote you. Like, come on. And then he's going to groom them, and then they're it's just like this ongoing cycle because that specialist that's been in for three years, he doesn't know anything. He's a, a scumbag. But he's just, he's good enough not to get in trouble, but he's not that great. But they want to kick him out because they need to retain him. Oops, did I say that? Because um, I know when I first came in that you had specialists, like five, six years specialists. Because if you weren't good enough to be an NCO, you just weren't good enough. Oh, you can, you're the greatest specialist in the world. But you're, you need to prove that you can be an NCO. That's how it was. Now it's just, oh, yeah, you've been there for three years. Oh, yeah, we're going to send you to the board. Oh, you don't even know how to stand in front of people and talk? That's fine, because we're going to give you a go anyway. And I know military people out there, if you think, you know I'm telling the truth. And then you're giving these people, and literally these people are going to be in charge of somebody's kids. Big facts, I'm sorry. So, um... I just hope that uh, Vanessa Gillian, well, I mean, Specialist Robinson, the one that killed her, he offed himself. And the girlfriend, she's the one that hack, helped hack up Vanessa's body. She's in custody. And then there's another man who also assisted, and he's in custody, also another soldier. So it's just like, come on. And then on top of that, what is wrong with people? Because with situations like that, or... And even watching different like mystery channels and see it, the little ID channel, people don't think, oh, let me just, let me just, I don't know, go AWOL or let me just confess to the truth and tell them like, yeah, I've been sleeping. Wait, why do people always jump to like trying to murder somebody? Like, I, I don't, for the life of me, I don't understand. Like, oh yeah, he, he bad name, he bad mouthed me or, um, he has $10,000. Let me kill him for it. First of all, ten thousand dollars ain't shit. So I don't know what's I don't know what's wrong, with people. I never thought in my mind like, oh yeah, this mother, I'm jealous. Let me kill him. Like, <laughs> like, like, what is wrong with these folks? And then on top of that, I worked in I worked in prison for three years, so I'm not. I already know. I don't. I mean, it wasn't maximum security, but at the same time, that's no place I ever want to be. But um. I think that's pretty much all I have to say on this segment. 
is just heart wrenching. I pray for her mother's healing. I pray for her sister's healing, and I hope they get the um, justice they deserve. Um, if I was in a situation, I think I would raise hell. Like I would literally raise Fort Hood up up off the ground. They would hear me coming. I would lose my. I'm telling you, I would lose my shit. And even though I, her mom was a. Uh, she was yelling and stuff like that. And she was speaking Spanish. I know. I, I don't even know what she was saying because I don't speak Spanish. But I could feel her. I could feel it. she she wants to raise hell. Like I can only imagine. So. I like I said, I hope they get um, justice. And. I'm not sure. First of all, I'm not sure what's going on at Fort Hood. And now they asked me, I, that was one of my um, choices for reenlistment a couple of times. And I just knew, uh, no. No, thank you. But um, this is going to conclude this segment and stay tuned for the next. So I hope you enjoyed that commercial break. Um, so moving on, and I wanted to break this down into a couple segments just because I had a lot, like I said before, I had a lot that's been going on, but I hadn't done any podcasts. So we are going to go ahead. Um, so I also wanted to talk about, and this just happened today. I want to talk about, so Tamar Braxton, right? Which would be... So today in the news and I, so when I first seen it, let me go back. Okay. So I'm, you know, we do, everybody get on social media. Um, it shouldn't be the first thing you do when you wake up, but sometimes it is, you get on social media, whatever you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram and you scroll in or whatever. And I see something talking about Tamar Braxton rushed to the hospital. And I was like, or unresponsive found unresponsive. I was like, what? And everybody knows like Tony Braxton is like, my favorite female artist of all times. And I know people might be like, oh, Whitney Houston's voice is better. That's cool. But it's just, she's a Libra. I'm a Libra. My birthday's on the 6th. Her birthday's on the 7th of October. You know, it's just a whole. So I'm like, I feel like I'm very connected. You know what I'm saying? To the Braxton family. So like, that was crazy to me. And um, it's just, it's just a lot. And I, they're talking about how it was an attempted suicide and stuff like that. And I'm like, what? Like, it threw me for a loop because I'm like, what? You know what I'm saying? And it's crazy because that's the reality of the situation. That's the reality of people that usually um, attempt suicide or commit suicide. It's not somebody that you think is going to actually do it. You know, it's not somebody who you would know like oh yeah they're going to commit suicide it's somebody that you would never suspect because you don't know people people that are going to commit suicide let me back up when people say I, I, i'm gonna kill myself it's like that's a scream for help most people that try to or, uh, try to commit suicide or commit suicide don't say anything they leave little subtle signs that us as people on the outside have to look for and they're like really small subtle signs and it, they're trying to tell you without telling you type of deal. But usually they're like the high, the hyper person, the, the strong person and stuff like that. And it's really, it's really, it's crazy. 
And I feel like even with this going on, I feel like people are going to judge her. They're going to ask something to say and all this other type of stuff. And I'm just like, I hate that. And I'm I like, I don't even, the thing about it is I don't even know her personally, but it's like, I hate the fact that I know that people are going to judge her and be like, oh, is everything okay? Because sometimes as black women, we're not allowed to go through anything. We're not allowed to be any, we're not allowed to be anything but strong. That's how they categorize us. You're not allowed to be anything but strong. Like, that's it. That's all you get. And if you're not that, then what are you? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how people do us. And I hate it. And I hate the fact that she's going to go through some scrutiny because she felt some type of way. And then you're going to get those people that are Christian and are going to say, how could you ever do that to yourself? Like, you don't, the judgment, I can't. The judgment, I can't. Like, it's really annoying. And and the thing about it is being a black woman, we're judged all the time. So it's very difficult. So now I did something or I attempted to do something because I felt some type of way because people weren't paying attention or I needed something. And I didn't feel like I could reach out to anybody. And not only are you not going to help me, not only are you not going to be there for me, not only are you not going to comfort me, but you're going to judge me. And you're going to have smart remarks to say. And you're going to have stupid things to say. Like, nobody want to deal with that. But it, what, what the, the crazy thing about it is I feel like if she was a white woman, people would have, like... And I'm not saying that people aren't going to have sympathy for her. But you're more likely to get sympathy. And... I, don't, I think I told this story before. So I had went to the hospital. Uh, this is um, anyway. So I went to the hospital, right? And I had a panic attack, which I wasn't sure it was a panic attack, panic attack, because I've had a couple of them, but they come differently. But anyway, I had a panic attack, right? And then I thought I had the Rona at the same time. And when I, you never know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's a panic attack, but then we also had the Rona going on, and my chest was really tight. So I was like, what the freak? And so I'm at the hospital, whatever. I drove myself to the hospital. Hospital is literally like a block away. It's like one o'clock in the morning. And um, I was there and then like I was low key like nervous because my body's like shaking and stuff like that. And I felt all weird. And it's just like you never really know. Like panic attack is not like, oh, I'm having a panic attack now. No, you're not that calm. So you don't know really what's going on until you get through it. Because like I said, the Rona, COVID-19. And so... I was crying or whatever. They finally admitted me. Not admitted me, kind of. Yeah, they admitted me or whatever. And I'm in the back or whatever, and I was crying and stuff like that. And I looked like a hot mess. I had on a bonnet. I had on um, a hoodie that had a bleach spot on it. I had on a shirt that had a bleach spot on it. I had some socks on. <laughs> I looked a mess with some joggers. I looked a hot mess. Anyway, um... And I was back there and I was crying or whatever. At first I was crying because I felt some type of way. They had me hooked up and it was monitoring my blood pressure and everything like that. My blood pressure kept going up. And I'm like, what is wrong with my blood pressure? And I'm like, I'm not like obese or anything. So I'm like, what is going on? And so I was crying or whatever. And then finally my blood pressure started calming down and I started feeling more calm or whatever. Because it's difficult because your blood pressure is going up. So you're like, is there something wrong with me? But then when you start worrying, your blood pressure goes up even more because you're worried. It's, it's a whole cycle. So I have to literally talk to myself and calm myself down. But anyway... I stopped crying, calmed myself down. But then as people were coming in the room and stuff like that, and I started crying even more because I was like, let me see something. I wasn't trying to be crazy. I wasn't trying to be like extra, but I was like, I just want to see something real quick. So I started crying even more. So people, when they came in my room, they could see me crying, but none of them had any sympathy for me. 
the nurses, the doctors, it wasn't like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like, it's all right. No, they had, nobody said anything to me. Nobody had any sympathy for me. Like, it was really weird. So going back to what I was saying was, we could be in distress. Sometimes us as black women, we can be in distress, but people don't look at us as being in distress because either they um, they just feel like we're strong enough to handle it. Oh, you'll be fine. You're strong enough to handle this. Um, or many reasons. But it's most of the time, it's like, oh, no, she's good. Or they could have thought maybe oh, she's a druggie or something because I did look like I just came out of the... I don't know. I look crazy, but... Of course, I don't, I don't do drugs. But, yeah. Because me, naturally, if I see somebody crying, I'm not going to... I'm not, I'm not going to, like, hug you, but I'm going to be like, are you okay? Like, what's going on with you? Whatever. Be like, you know, how's everything? But they just didn't have any type of sympathy. And even if you're a nurse and you don't know what's going on, you could just be like, it's going to be okay. Let me talk to the doctor. You know, it's going to be okay. Offer me a freaking tissue. Like, I'm, I know as a nurse, you can't give medical advice. You can't tell me what's wrong with me. But it was nothing. They had nothing for me. There was no sympathy. So getting back to this Tamar Braxton situation, sometimes we're only allowed to be strong. And in certain situations, like when you see a Tamar Braxton or even Nene at this, at certain, like when she, and I, I sympathize with Nene because there's a certain times where she, she does break down, but people don't give her that same energy that they give other people when they break down. They give her, mm, look at her. She's because they, it's almost a time for them to rejoice. It's almost a time where, oh, look at she's breaking down. She's weak. And it's, it's the same thing. I feel like it's the same thing with Tamar because Tamar has such a, a, a flamboyant personality and either you like her or you don't type deal. And it's like when you can see a, a black woman down, it's like, oh, she ain't as strong as she thought she was. There's no sympathy there. There's none. It's because we had to work so hard to keep ourselves up, to keep ourselves motivated, to keep ourselves, you know what I'm saying? And it's even as far as how we look, what we do, everything is ridiculed. So we have to we have to maintain this strong exterior. But at the same time, when we do break down, people don't give us the same energy as they would give non-black women. Oh, you be all right. You be all right. Even going back to medical where they used to do experiments on our genitals and stuff like that, all with no anesthetic... Um, anesthesia because we could, they could you can handle it we always got to handle it and that's how they do black women you can handle it um and we be all oh, we're so tired of handling it and then you from every which way you got work life and you got your microaggressions you got you have whether it's in the medical field you have so many different microaggressions and things coming at you it's like what are we supposed to do with this So it's, it, and I just, like I said, I hate the fact that people are going to judge her. I hate the fact that, um, if that's the case, that's what's being reported. It's been reported all day that she was, it was a suicide attempt or whatever, but it's just like, I hate the fact that people are going to judge her. Like, and it, I just hope that she gets some type of grace. And I hope that many people out there start giving black women a lot more grace because we get none. We get none from anybody. When it comes to black men, we get no grace. We are ridiculed by black men so much. It's so annoying. Um, there was even something that I read where it was like black men was like, we don't want black women out there marching for us because we're not attracted to them and da, 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 da. Like we are the most shitted on 
And I'm not trying to go into a rant. And it's not even a rant. I'm just not even, I'm not even angry. It's just like sad. It's really sad. And when you have so many things coming at you at once and you have no, nobody giving you any grace. Sometimes you don't even have your own sister, your own, somebody, I'm not saying literal sister, but like another black female. They don't even, we don't even give each other grace. Like we don't even let each other breathe. We judge each other. It's a very, it can be very draining. We judge each other. We talk about each other. Um, we hang each other out to dry. Like, it's very draining. Very draining. And like I said, I just hope that people give her grace and room to do what she needs to do without judging her. Because you don't know somebody's life. And you don't know what they've been through. And you don't know the tolerance. And it's just, from the from the time as a black, as a black girl, as a black woman, young lady, whatever, growing up. I knew I, I started putting on different, I put on armor every time something happened to me when something went on in my life and you just put on another shield, you put on all your armor one by one, but it's your arms, your legs, you just start getting ready for war because so many things coming at you. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, I'm not light enough. I'm too dark. My hair's like this. I'm like that. And it's not necessarily like, it's what people trying to do to you. And you basically trying to celebrate who you are, but you you have people coming poking and prodding. And I talked about this before, but I'm not gonna go into a whole rant. But we have a lot of things where people poking, poking pride at us, and we uh, whether it's a whole, a society as a whole that pokes and prod at us, telling us that we're not beautiful, telling us that we're not this. We have other females that poke, we other black females that we poke and prod at each other. We have black men that do it. We have everybody like it. it it's crazy, and there's no there's no. Um, oh, let me tell you. So last week, right, it's been a busy, it's been a busy couple of weeks or whatever. So I had to, I was in this class, right? And, um, the teacher is a civilian guy and it's all of us, whatever, military students, whatever. I'm in this class. It's only like a three day class, whatever. And I have my mask on, so you can't really see me. You can just see my face, whatever. And like everybody else, you know what I'm saying? That's how we all, you don't even know who anybody is. You just got to look into their eyes nowadays. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, um, something happened where he was trying to tech, he's a Caucasian man. He was trying to tell a joke or whatever. And I was, I was early in the morning. Like I wasn't really, I was just doing what he told me to do. Um, as far as following, following the class. So he trying to tell a joke or whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, he was taking my temperature. Cause we got to take temperature when you come to class and he was trying to be funny or whatever. And then he, he gave me my temperature and I was supposed to write it in the little log. And so ever since I didn't laugh at his joke. Ever since after that, he was all, oh, here comes, here comes a uh, sergeant mean, or she looks grumpy, or she's mad, or, and he kept putting that label on me. He kept, he kept putting that label on me for the whole three days, those 72 hours that we was in that class. Every time he saw me, because I didn't laugh at his little joke that wasn't funny, he wanted to label me, oh, she's mean, she's this, she's, and I kept, and I kept hitting him with the, no, nah, I'm good, no, nah, I'm good. Like, no, I'm good. Like, what you mean? I said, it's a good day. It's a good day. And then, like, he was like, oh, here she comes. She mean. And I'm just like, but you know what? And I'm not saying he was doing it maliciously. I don't know what he was doing. I can't say that because I don't walk around with a chip on my shoulder. But I'm just like, why are you so quick to put that on me? Like, I'm mean. You can't even see my whole face. You can't see my face grinned up, turned up. All you see is my eyes. And I didn't laugh at your joke. But literally, steady, you want to sit here and be calling me 
oh, she's mad. Oh, she's mean. She's this. He put so he said so many things in the, in those three days. I was just like, and I kept brushing him off. Like, bruh, chill. Like, it's weird. And then there was a, another teacher that came and he had the same last name as me. He's all like, oh, there's a Miss Lewis or whatever. And he was all like, oh, she mean. And then his name was Lewis too. And he's like, nah, it's just us, us Lewises. We just, that's just how we get down. Like, we good. And he actually had my back. It was another black dude. And it's like, I'm not trying to make it a race thing, but like I said, he was sitting there trying to put that label on me forever. Like, let me live. Like, say something else to me. Good morning. Because I remember when we first came in, before you can go into the classroom, he would take our temperature. And I was like, first thing I seen him, I said, good morning. And then he was like, oh, you ain't mean today. You ain't mad today. I'm mad about what? I just walked up. Like, I, honestly, I feel like that is percep- his perception of black women. I really do, because you can't even, you don't even know me. You don't even know anything. You can't see my whole face. All you see is staring into my eyes, and you told some corny-ass joke. And I'm just like, I'm not about to feed into this. And I just brushed them off. Like, what is your issue, bro? But like I said, poking and prodding, bro. Like, this poking and prodding. Because it was one thing if you was did it one time, but it was three days of him calling me mean and saying I was this and that and the third. And I'm like, I guess... But like I said, I just hope that the whole thing with Tamar and people give her grace and give her space and don't judge her because you don't know. You don't. So mind your bees knees. But um, this concludes this segment and we will be right back. So welcome back, welcome back. I just want to talk about this is all gonna be our third and final segment. Um so I'm just going over certain things and thoughts that I've had over the last two weeks that I didn't share with you guys. Um so first starting off with so I am preparing to leave the United States, unfortunately. Yeah. Um not that enthused because of the whole coronavirus situation. I'm not trying to catch it, so yeah. Um So with that being said, I thought a lot about actually if I want to actually have kids. Like, because I, I had always thought that I was going to. So growing up, right, people talk about having kids like it was something that they really wanted to do. And for me, it was never set in stone. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but. Yeah, so with that being said. Around about 29, I was like, okay, well, I want to adopt kids. And I would just have adopted kids. I don't think I would actually give birth. And so now that I'm 32, I'm like, maybe I do want to give birth. And, but the thing about it is, um, this whole dating thing is I'm over it. And people are like, well, you're putting out energy that this, then the third and blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> I don't even forget, like, I'm at the point where I don't even really care. Like, honestly, I don't. Because it's, it just, we're living in this world where you don't even know what's going on. I don't have time for this. Like, it's ridiculous. And, um, it's, it's just crazy to me. And, and like, so, okay, so I had this friend, right? So I, I met him when I first got here. And 
Um, he's cool, but I'm not attracted to him. But the thing about it is, he w- he would do anything for me. This man has got out of his sleep at five o'clock in the morning to come help me do something. Um, so many different things. Like we went and got our passports together like uh, a week ago. Um, he's like a good guy friend, but I'm not attracted to him. And people, my mom's like, oh well. You should probably try to give him a chance. First of all, he's 24 years old and I'm not attracted to him. And I don't want a 24 year old and he's just not my type on any type on any type of level. So I feel like there's there's games being played in the universe. And this is why I say this, because (laughs) so um, like I said, he's gotten out of his bed at like five o'clock in the morning because I was on the side of the road on side of the highway, drove his motorcycle to the highway and then helped me get my car off the highway and left his motorcycle on on the highway where it could have been crashed and somebody could have stole it. So he has done things for me that most people wouldn't do. And this is why I say the universe is playing games because with that being said, I don't like him like that. Never had, never have, never will. I'm just 100% sure about that. And people are like, well, you should give him a chance to see. And When we first started hanging out, he tried to come at me like that. I shut that shit down because I'm not with it. If I'm not attracted to you, I'm not attracted to you. I'm not going to force it. And I feel like that's, it's messed up to try to force something with somebody that you're not attracted to. Like, let's be honest. We, we want somebody that we want to kiss. We want somebody that we want to be with. I don't, I don't see myself ever kissing him ever, ever. He's not an ugly dude. You know what I'm saying? But he's not my type. And I say the universe is playing games because you got somebody who I'm not attracted to, who would do anything for me as a friend. But then I'll meet somebody who is a douche bag. So I'm like, I mean, I don't meet people often, especially during a pandemic, but it's just like, it's a setup. Like, you know what I'm saying? What is this about? And this is not the first time this happened to me because I have, I have friends in the, I've had male friends in the past, but usually it's a setup because they're trying to talk to me. They're trying to get with me. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or whatever, but I've had friends where I'm like, oh yeah, that's my bro. That's my bro. And then later on, they'd be like, you know, always have feelings for you. And I'm like, bro, I don't have none for you though. And it's a setup. And people are like, well, maybe that's why you're still single. Maybe, you know, you, you're looking at the ones that you like instead of the ones that like you. That's what my mama says all the time. But guess what? I don't feel like I should have to settle. And I'm not saying that it's all about looks, but damn, I got to be able to kiss you in the mouth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you just, I can't be with, call me superficial. I don't know. I'm not. But I, I mean, you don't have to be the greatest looking person. Um... But I do have to like you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play you and play with you if I don't really like you. I feel like that's that's mean. You know what I'm saying? And you do have men out here that will be with women that they don't even will play with women that they're not even attracted to just because oh well she'll do this for me and she'll do that for me. I'm not that type of person. I feel like I feel like that is the most foul, low down thing to do to somebody. If you don't see yourself with them, but because they like you more than you like them, you're with them because what they can do for you. That is the most trashiest person you could be. And then you want to be like, oh, bro, I don't really like her like that because, you know, she don't got this or I'm not attracted to her. But I like her because, like, if you don't have if you can't get past what she looks like and you can't really love her, then don't play games with her. And that's how I feel. And I've had friends in the past where I already know it's not going to be nothing. So it just is what it is. And. For. It's just, I don't know, I feel like it's a setup. So with that being said, and I was like, okay, I do want to have children. I do want to birth at least one child, I guess. But the thing about it is, 
people look at me crazy when I say this, but I don't know. Like the thing that gets me is I do want to do it because I don't want to end up being 50. And there's people having kids at 50, but Janet Jackson did that shit. She got money. I don't have money. And then I went to the, when I went to the doctors, even when I was 28 and the doctor, the doctor's asking me, do I plan on having kids? And I'm like, well, I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. But at the same time, like now I'm 32. So it's like, I don't want to miss out on some situation that I don't want to miss out on having a child. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the things that it's been going back and forth in my mind. Um, I don't want to miss out on the child because I, right now I don't want to. And I know they have technology where you can freeze the eggs and stuff like that. But I'm like, do I, do I necessarily want to be like 40 trying to have a kid? Like, ah, uh, what is time going on? But you know, I'm, I'm, I feel free. I feel good. Like, I don't know. Like, but like I said, even with me traveling outside the United States or whatever, it's like, okay. And the last time I traveled outside the United States, I was like, okay, well, I want to make sure when I come back, I have kids. And that was in 2013 because you never know what's going down with when you get wherever you're going, doing whatever you got to do, if you get what I'm saying. So it's like, it's difficult. So it's like a catch 22. Like I don't, I'm on a timetable kind of about this whole kid situation. And they're like, Oh, you can freeze your eggs. Who got freezing egg money? Who has freezing egg money? I got trying to get me a new house, trying to get me a house money. I got trying to get, getting me a new car money when I get back. I got, well, I got money now, but you know what I'm saying? But like, I don't have no money set aside for freezing eggs. And then I thought to myself, this is going to sound crazy. Like, people going to be like, oh, you crazy. But I I don't know. Like, I would be okay. And I'm not trying to speak it into the atmosphere. But if once I do return back to the United States, I would be okay having a kid and not having a partner. Like, artificial insemination. Like, that sounds bad, right? And they're like, well, why would you have a kid? And then you don't have a father for the kid. The, the girl, she would need a father. Or he would need a father. I'm like, you got people out here with no daddies. Um, living their best life. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would, I'm not trying to say that it's something that I'm just aiming to do. Yeah, I'm going to do artificial insemination and be a single mother. But I'm not against it. I'm really not. It sounds crazy. Like, I know. And then... But I would, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I would do it. Because I don't feel like the dating pool right now, there's no water in the pool. Like, <laughs> like, I'm like, the dating pool right now, there's no water in there. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I don't want to live my life. I don't want to, you know, you never know what tomorrow could bring. And then there's nobody to live on to the legacy that was me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know. And people are like, well, won't you just hold on, just wait and see what happens? Uh, why? Why do I have to? Is there? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not living by nobody else's rules, to be honest. I'm not living by society's rules, saying that. First time, I wasn't living by society's rule when they told me I had to have a baby. I decided that maybe I want to have a baby. I'm not living by society's rule that tells me I need to have a father. You have people that have kids all the time, be married. They're married. They're they're married, and then they get divorced, and then the daddy disappears, and all types of stuff. So it's like. At least my kid would know they were wanted. I wanted to have you by artificial insemination. So that's something I've been pondering because, I mean, at this point in time, I'm like, I'm about to be 33. I got to start making decisions. Even though my sister had a baby. My sister just had a baby in February, right? And she's 34. But everybody ain't built the same. So who's to say that she can have a baby at 34 and have another one at 36? And then I try to have a baby when I come back and I'm 33. 
who's to say it's going to work? Like, who's to say that I, I'm not going to be able to have a baby or, you know, wait till I'm 36 and then be able to have a baby? There's no guarantees. And then on top of that, in my age bracket, everybody has kids. So even if I have a kid from artificial insemination, it doesn't mean that I won't later on get married by, to somebody else because everybody has kids. I don't think it would be a problem. I mean, I guess on the dating scale, it might knock me down a couple of notches and be like, oh, she got a uh, baby. But I don't have no baby, baby daddy drama because I don't have no baby daddy. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. And this is something that I'm really looking into because I still want to adopt children, but I'm like, do I want to have one that is me, that looks like me? And I'm not super enthused about the experience. Like, okay, you got to carry the baby. Then you got to gain all this weight, right? Then you have to push the baby out or you got to get somebody to cut your stomach open so you can get the baby out. That just sounds terrifying to me. I never... as. I don't understand. People like, oh, let me have a baby. And then after they have kids, they're like, it's the most beautiful experience. And I'm like, looking at people all sweaty and uncomfortable and big, that doesn't look like a great experience. Then your freaking hip spread. And then you got to push this baby out of your private area. Oh, that does not look like a great experience. And you got shoulder. You got this baby's shoulders coming out of your vagina. I can't deal. I don't like pain. I'm the type of person I pop a leave. I pop a, a leave. Give me some ibuprofen. I'm going I, before I, before I feel the pain. I just need some leave. <laughs> Why do I have to endure the pain? I don't want to do pain. I hate pain. Like I'm not a crybaby, but if we can get the meds popping, let's get the meds popping. Not all the time, cause you know I don't want to ruin my liver or my kidneys. But if I need a medicine, I'm gonna get my medicine popping. Like no. Um. But yeah, that's something that I was thinking about is artificial insemination when I return back to the States. And I don't want to manifest something that is like, okay, well, maybe you'll get married or whatever. But why do I have to wait on marriage? Like I can have a whole family and get married later. Like people wait on marriage and they're like, oh, I got to wait till I get married. I got to wait till I, I no. When I get back, I'm buying me a house. When I get back, I'm going to have probably get artificially inseminated and I'm adopting kids. I'm going to have my own family. I'm not waiting on this knight in shining armor that may or may not be the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Might be my greatest downfall. You know, love is a tricky thing. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like some with this, this conversation and situation like this, I feel like I exude a lot of masculine energy because it's like, but you want to sit around waiting for somebody. And then all of a sudden, black men, they're not even checking for black women like that sometimes these days. Like, let's be honest. They're trying to get Becky. And I'm at, the, I'm at a place where I don't know if I could date a white man and be married to a white man. I'm not even trying to be mean, but I don't trust. I don't know. I can't do it. It's not my forte. I have nothing against interracial dating, but I just can't do it. It's not my thing. I just, mm, ah, e, ooh, ah, no. So, I don't know. And I do think that I could take care of kids. I do believe that I could be a great mother. I do. Um, take care of them. So, I'm just, I, let me know. Somebody give me some feedback. Because am, am I, 
Am I being too harsh? Am I being too rash? But I'm at, I'm 32 years old. Soon, in a couple months, I'll be 33. So it's like, what am I doing? Like, we're waiting on this knight in shining armor who may or may not get on my damn nerves. Like, and then I'm headed towards this, this especially when you get into a certain age bracket. It's difficult to to change. It's difficult. Not It's not. You're kind of getting set into your ways. And you're, you're learning certain things about, like, there's certain things, okay, like, when I was 30, when I was 20 or whatever, 22, 23, 24, and I was talking to a guy, and I never really paid attention to a lot of different things that I pay attention to now, like, finances, why, why do you, why are you living paycheck to paycheck, and why is it that you have all these clothes and a nice car, but you're living paycheck to paycheck, to paycheck and you have all these roommates, that doesn't make sense. Then when I ask you, I've had, when I ask a man, what is his long-term, short-term goals? They're like, oh, what is the job interview? No, it's a question. Because if you don't have a goal, then you're just driving around aimlessly. Because guess what? When we get into a car, right? When you get into the car and you're going somewhere, you're not sure where you're going. You put the address into GPS, right? So you're not just driving around aimlessly because you want to get to the goal. The goal is to get to the address. So if you can't tell me what your goal is, you can't tell me what the address is, what's your destination, what are we doing? And it's, it's, it's very difficult. And I'm not saying, like, people are like, oh, well, she's probably a woman scorned. I'm not a woman scorned, but, you know, when you get burned enough, you start looking out for shit that you might should have been paying attention to before. And um, finances is one of them. Um, emotional stability is one of them because you have a lot of people out here that are emotionally unstable because their mother didn't love them and their daddy didn't play ball with them. I can't do nothing for you. And it's the same thing with women too. We do have to work through our emotions, whatever daddy issues we got before you get with a man because they're not here to be your dad. They're here to be your partner. So it's just a lot, especially in the dating scene. There's probably people that listen to this that's married and I'm happy for you because you don't have to deal with this nonsense. Um... (laughs) Cause that's what it is—a bunch of nonsense. And yeah, man. So I'm thinking about artificial insemination. That's a topic that I was just like, adoption's already set in stone. I found, oh my gosh, I found these triplets. Right, three—they were triplet boys, and they were two years old. And I would, I would have definitely adopted them. And they're in my state, in my, in my like. Because everybody's set up in the state. There's a zone or whatever they call it. So they're in my zone or whatever. But guess what? She's going overseas. So now it's like, er, put on put on pause. And I know they're going to be adopted before I get back. They're gonna, Like, of course somebody's going to adopt them. Babies and um, toddlers and stuff, they get adopted quick. But it would have been amazing to have three boys. Triplets, two years old. And my mom was like, my mom was like, you can handle all that. I don't know if I can handle all that. I don't know if I can handle all that, but I believe I'm up for the challenge. Right. But I think if you get them on a good schedule and they're like, oh, that's terrible too. But I feel like if I got them on a good schedule and was there for them and took care of them, we would all be good. But raising three men, three black men in this world, that would have been stressful, but rewarding. So, yeah. But um, I don't know. Right now I'm in this state of mind where I'm just cocooned in. I have these, I do these, these things where I cocoon myself. Like I literally, uh, I don't talk to anybody. I just talk to my mom. I talk to my sister every now and then when she's not getting on my damn nerves. I don't know. I just have these weird things where I just like, you know, I don't feel like talking to nobody. I'm just going to go ahead and do my homework, go to work, 
work out, be productive. But yeah. Artificial insemination. And you got females out here trying not to get pregnant. Looking at that pregnancy test like, damn, I hope I'm not pregnant. <laughs> and then I'm going to go get artificially inseminated. <laughs> ah! May or may not. I don't know. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just become very sour when it comes to um, dating and marriage and stuff like that. Because I don't know. I don't see it. But then again, I don't mingle a lot. And then we're in the pandemic. So there's really not a lot of places to mingle or meet people because who wants to catch the cocoa? The coronavirus. So. But even before I got to this state, even when I was in, a, in Washington state, oh, Washington state, ain't got, there's no black men. And if there is, they're hanging out with Becky. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, it's the truth. And then when I was stationed in Carson, 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 Colorado Springs itself, I didn't see a lot of black men. There was some, but you go down to Denver, Denver men, I hate to say this, but a lot of men in Denver, they're looking for a sponsor, bro. They're looking for somebody to take care of them. They're looking for somebody that they can be with because I don't know, but I'm not a sponsor. I'm not here to $50 a day can feed a man. I'm not, mm -mm, you got me messed up, mm -mm. but that's a lot. And because Colorado Springs and Denver are probably like an hour away from each other, but yeah, that's, mm that's when I met that loser Justin he took care of himself but at the same time he used to buy a whole bunch of stuff the way he did his finances I wasn't really too thrilled about that and um yeah he was he was weird he was a cancer anywho um yeah man that's where I'm at with that situation I don't know if so by this time next year if because um I'll be back by this time next year, I'm not, I'll be deployed or whatever, but I'm gonna do it because even if, okay, you, you might, I might meet somebody somewhere or whatever, but if I ain't met nobody, I'm gonna go ahead and do artificial insemination and I'm gonna adopt my kids. I don't got time for this and it's going to be difficult because you got the army and then you got kids and then you got school and then you got this and then you got that. Then I'm gonna try to buy a house and then I got this and I, I don't care. I can do it all. <laughs> I can do it all, damn it. But we shall see. God willing. But um I appreciate you guys for listening. Um go ahead and follow the IG page at Black Girl Coffee Shop Podcast. Um I appreciate everybody for listening. Um and so I got a quick question. So I got the podcast page and then I have my own personal page. So even on my per my personal page, my IG page and my first, I don't add everybody. Like if you sketchy looking or you got a weird page or it's just like a picture of a booty and weird stuff, I don't add you. I will decline you. And I'm not trying to be mean. So if I if you've tried to add me on either uh, my personal page or the, the podcast page, if you don't have a real picture or you're not looking legit or you only you don't have any pictures when I go to your profile, I don't just let anybody on my page. Because when I first did when I first started the, the, the Black Girl Coffee Shop podcast page, I kept get I kept getting reported. Like people kept they, um, they kept reporting me to IG because it said Black Girl Coffee Shop. So I guess they thought like, you know, I don't know. It was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Caucasian people reporting me. So that's why I don't add everybody. So if you don't have like an actual picture or it's just like a picture of a flower or a lizard, I'm probably not going to add you because it's weird. 
people do weird stuff and then they want to send me weird messages. I don't got time for it. You mad because it's Black Girl Coffee Shop where we sip coffee and not tea? That's not my problem. So um, thank you for listening. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that real quick just in case anybody got declined that I that was trying to come onto the page. It's just if you you sketchy, I'm just like, oh, no, because it's the sketchy one. But um, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you, especially people all over the world. Ireland. Um, what we got? Ireland, Italy, Canada, um, South Africa, um, Puerto Rico, um, Australia. People all over the place listening to me. That's crazy. Like that's I'm just like, what? But um appreciate it. I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And leave a comment. Uh if I add you on to IG, you can leave a comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Or you can follow me on Spotify. I'm on Google Google Podcasts. I'm on Breaker. I'm on Overcast. So go ahead and hit me up. Leave some feedback. But anyway, thanks, guys. Peace.